Good morning and welcome to Dear God Am I Funny with Derek and Eric. Today's guest is Lizzie Gordon, a writer of horror, a stalker herself, a female with excellence running through her veins. Roaming the streets of San Francisco, rudderless, looking for guidance, she finds comfort in a video store clerk who helps point her into the direction that she needs to be to become the awesome person she is today. An unexpected celebrity brings foundation into her life. This is Lizzie Gordon's story. How do you do it upside down? Oh, we just have sticks that come in. Oh. Like this. <laughs> Which, uh, You see? It's very, it's like a technique, it's a this. For, it's our, one of for our three listeners, that's a hand motion you can't see. Oh, we're rolling? We're always, oh, rolling. We're always rolling. Oh, sneak attack. <laughs> How long have we been rolling? Uh, the moment uh, you walked in here. Only first, when you were talking about tip. your husband. <laughs> first tip. <laughs> you tell a bitch where shit's rolling. Uh, we have somebody, uh, we have a mutual friend. Who uh, uh, who said? Uh, I just want to tell you, as one of your three listeners, uh-huh. I'm really offended when you say we only have three listeners. <laughs> is it your dad? <laughs> it is. <laughs> no. Um, so uh, Lizzie Gordon. Lizzie Gordon. Hello. Welcome. I love the way you spell your name too. Oh, like an idiot. <laughs> That's because, like, the first day of <laughs> kindergarten, my parents didn't prepare me, so I went in and they were like, "Write your name," and I was like, "How?" Wait, so really? Yeah. So, so how just, do your parents spell your name? Apparently they don't, which is why I had to do it myself. <laughs> L-I-Z-Z-E. Yeah. But it's not short, five, it's not short for Elizabeth? It or, is. It's short it for is. Elizabeth, yeah. So they did put that on the birth certificate. They didn't just put blank Right, Gordon. but they didn't teach me how to spell that either, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, it comes off like European or something. I like well, that. I like that. I, uh, when I was like 22, I started using an umlaut. And then I was like, who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> I didn't even know what, I knew what that was when you said it, but I didn't know that that was the word. Because some people do think, is it Lizé? Right. And I was like, no, it's a hearty. I'm not a rapper. Lizé. <laughs> no. Yeah, Lizé, you should go with that. I don't own a it, champagne. I could. But you could. I could. Mm-hmm. Lizé. <laughs> Bubbles for your mouth. So thanks for coming in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, let's just We'll skip over that part. I liked all of it. I'm into it. Yeah. So you're a writer. I'm a writer. You're an actor. Eh. But you've been in stuff. I've been in stuff. The write, I started writing because nobody was offering me acting jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and Make I was, your own path. Yeah, I was going to force my way into this uh, any way that I could. Right. Um, and then I found out I liked writing more than acting. So I mostly, I don't really act anymore. So I want to get into that, but nice. let's start at the very beginning. Oh, no. Okay. You were born out here in California? Yes. Okay. You what, look like what? you were about to say no. Uh, well, San Francisco. And I was able to say California, yes. so that's why you yeah. thought I was going to say Los Angeles. And you're East Coast, so that's... I am. Yeah, yeah you're used to a smaller state. Yeah. North, I, North I'm Indiana, so we're right in the middle of both of you. Yeah. Yeah, so we're not even thinking about you. So <laughs> Fly right on. You're born up, up north, San Francisco. Yeah. And what was childhood like? Um, <laughs> dark. I mean... Your parents uh, never taught you to spell your name. They never taught me how to read. No, I um I grew up in a beach town, but I don't you guys can't see me who are listening, but I am an alabaster woman. I'm basically translucent. Mm, and, like a newborn fish. Yeah, and, fr- and from birth to 11 I had no pigment at all. My hair was white and my eyes were gray. 
So I couldn't wow. go out into the sun. Really. You were like a Targaryen. It was weird. Like my hair didn't turn red until I was like 11. And I was like, oh, thank God. Um, so I grew up in a beach town and I you, would did just. Did you think that was you getting your period? Maybe. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no. You get to certain age. Only my a hair boy... turned red. Is that it? Is that. Only a boy's <laughs> hair turning red would he think that, I think. Yeah. No, I was a little bit more hip to that. <laughs> But I would I would watch a lot of movies and put quilts over the windows so it was darker in my room. So it like from those ages I was basically like a little tiny meth addict in training, just covering windows and watching movies all day. What kind of movies were you watching? Oh, everything. There was a our video, which was a VHS rental place walking distance from my Ooh. house. And my parents were hands off. I wasn't like a latchkey kid, but my parents were very hands off. Okay. So I'd collect quarters for four dollars and thirty-two cents and walk down and rent four movies and then come home. But the woman who ran the store knew that I had no supervision and would just let me take whatever I wanted. Ooh. So I'd be watching like... Shout out to her. What's her name? Linda. Oh, Linda. Thank <laughs> She God. runs the DVD to go now on Scottsdale Drive. <laughs> so she evolved. She did. With the times. Yeah. Yeah. In, is she into Blu-ray discs? I hope so. Oh, I yeah, hope I Linda's hope. going strong. Because she, she played a big hand in raising me. But I would watch like Requiem for a Dream oh. and... You know, just weird shit to like Requiem for a Dream. Like, and what age? Uh, like ten. Okay. Yeah. I love this. So, so you basically grew up in a video store. Yeah. And Derek grew up on a used car lot mm-hmm. in Indiana. Oh, I, I actually, but I had I one of that. those. I had a VH1 video. And I grew up in a privileged that was white home in Queens. So what was that like? It was cozy. It was like growing up on a used car lot. <laughs> I can no, relate because we, we could watch we were not all the horror movies. Yeah. And our babysitter, Janice, ran the VH1 video. So. Damn. That's a hot place for a babysitter to work. Yeah, I think I, she I was I think hot. my favorite thing as a kid, I remember there was a video rental store in our neighborhood. I loved looking at the covers of all the horror. Yeah. Like, because in the 80s, there were such great covers for they you know, it was the like time. the movie posters for yeah. Yeah, horror cared. movies were awesome. Yeah. I was so intrigued by them. Like the floating hand putting the key into the door. What was that movie? Floating hand. That was the one that stuck in my brain. Uh, Sophie's was, choice. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's always the answer. <laughs> um, that's but always critters. The critters oh, was good. Yeah, critters things like good. critters or Evil Dead or yeah. Love the Evil I mean, Dead. All, all, I used to look at all the Nightmare on Elm Street covers. That's the first movie that really fucked me up. Yeah. Which one? Uh, I couldn't tell you which one because I was I was uh, probably five, and my brother. Mm. I have a brother who's five years older. He had it on. And he like made me watch it, and that's when I really knew terror. I was like, I'll never sleep again. Yeah. Right. And you don't have any parents, really. Uh... No. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, our childhood was so similar. You know, I. But I'm thinking about you said um, my parents never taught me to read. Right, but in general, parents don't teach their kids no. to read, and it's fascinating because in the COVID culture, oh. all us parents have had to start teaching our kids to read, and it we act like it's the hardest thing in the world. What a nightmare! It is a nightmare. <laughs> you used to be able to just give your kids to somebody, and they'd have to take care of all I, that learning. I do have to say, I do have parents, and they are very supportive. And <laughs> my mom will probably listen to this if she ever finds a way to find it. But um, she used to hold me down and make me do vocabulary books. Oh. And I hated it so much that when she wasn't looking, I'd go in the backyard and like dig a hole and bury the books. <laughs> and it was called <laughs> Worldly Wise. And they were like little workbooks with... Yeah. Did anything ever grow? No. 
No. Including myself. Including your education. <laughs> yeah, nothing Just but an arrested so development over here. But uh, yeah. what are you what are you writing right now? What is holding your attention? Um, I'm writing a couple things right now. Mm. Um, I'm doing one that's sort of like uh, I got I got my tarot cards read, nice. and a soothsayer told me to write something that was a little bit more sincere. So I'm writing a sort of euphoria coming of age movie, mm. and uh, with a twist on it where this 18-year-old girl becomes the caregiver for her 80-year-old demented grandfather who she's never met. Uh, and it's a really dark comedy. And the other thing I'm writing is a sibling rivalry horror comedy mm. where the firstborn son of this very wealthy family of every generation has to commit a human sacrifice so that the family can maintain power and influence. And as they've done it over seven generations, each generation becomes more useless and more entitled, but still hugely successful because of the human sacrifice. Okay. So it's like idiocracy is running the world. Idiocracy, succession. So idiocracy, kind of like, succession. I love that. And the little sister is actually very intelligent and very capable because she's always wanted the adoration that her brother has. Mm. And she's like, how the fuck do we have this? Like, our family is fucking dumb. So this <laughs> is literally a story about the Trumps, right? That When I'm doing my development, I'm writing, like, the Trumps is the family name. Yeah. But it's not. It's like a Rockefeller. It's, like, bigger than that. Mm. Um, and so when her brother turns 18 and has to do the ritual sacrifice, the sister, who doesn't know about the sacrifice, is very nosy, and she wants to know what he's up to. So she breaks into the room, accidentally lets the sacrifice go, and through a series of unfortunate events, kills her brother on the altar. Nice. And it all goes wrong from there. <laughs> I'm in. I got to tell you, so um, my stepfather died recently. I'm so sorry. Not in a sacrifice. He yeah. had cancer. But um, I, for some reason, the way I've been coping with it is watching serial killer documentaries. <laughs> I watch wow. Dahmer on Netflix. Yeah. And then I'm like watching Handmaid's Tale. It's a lot of like trying not to watch emotional TV. Every word coming out of your mouth, I'm like, oh my God, make this right now. I'm trying. Please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, this is so, it, it's, uh, it's yeah. needed. It's a good, for healing. it's needed for healing. Yeah. I have, my brother and I have a, like a very competitive relationship. Mm. He's five years older, but it's always taken him longer to do things. <laughs> so we graduated college the same year and my whole family went to his graduation and nobody came to mine. Wow. And he got a party, and I didn't get a party. But I did it in four years, and he did it in ten. Well, he really I'm worked so sorry. for it. He really worked for <laughs> it. Really you just kind of breezed through it. it. Should yeah. we throw her a party after this? I would take it. Okay. Though I am socially awkward. <laughs> we've, we've noticed. Um, so, you and you're involved in a lot of horror stuff. Yeah, like, That seems to, to be the way that you go. Yeah. So what were, I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned Requiem for a Dream, but what were you watching? Or Nightmare on Elm Street as well, but what else were you watching oh, that you think really influenced us? Scream. A lot of Scream. Mm. Um, yeah, I loved Scream. I liked uh, Jawbreaker. Oh my God. I love that movie. Yeah. I don't think I saw that one. Oh, it's a good one. These girls accidentally, well, they kidnap their girlfriend for her birthday. And put a jawbreaker in her mouth, duct tape it, keep it Oh, okay, and she no, like swallows it and chokes yeah. on it and dies. What was her name that was in that? Um, oh, the woman who I'm really bad with names. Naomi it's, Campbell. No, 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 no. She was involved with Marilyn Manson. Um, oh, oh, Rose McGowan. Rose McGowan was. And in then that. the woman who plays the daughter of Laurie Strode in the new Halloweens, who's okay. in everything. 
I can see her face. She plays the dorky girl that gets transitioned into yeah. a cool girl. Fern? I think her character name is Fern. We're picking up a phone. What? Oh, is that my you phone? Turn, or you can turn off the cellular. Thing. Sure. Oh, it could be me. Did that just work? Yeah, that worked. I think it worked. Damn, it was you. Another audio victory here. <laughs> That's our first Dear God, one, am I funny. That is That's our first, our first victory. cellular situation. Yeah. Wow. 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 Look at that. All Crazy. right, guys. So now we, from now on, we have to go into we airplane engineer. mode when we're in here? We, yeah, we, we engineer as we podcast. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> we engineer as we podcast. You have the craziest voice. Me? Yeah. Why? What's going on? Why? Why? You, it's almost like you're putting one on. I uh, he's not, which is weird. I know that's what's wild about it. And my daughter at nine years old makes fun of me all the time for it. <laughs> it's very ominous. Maybe I'm doing it. Yeah, Are probably. It could be me. I will tell you this, Lizzie. Um, one of the jokes from people who have listened to this podcast <laughs> is that we could be sitting here and somebody be like. Yeah, and you know, my and my dad died of cancer, and Derek would be like, "Ooh, <laughs> oh. it's, it's like we're having a conversation, and he's having Derek. sex." I, I mean, don't like, realize that I, oh. my voice is oh. what it is to oh. others. And then, uh, you know, I got into writing comedy because I was trying to make my dying father laugh. Oh. Ooh. Oh my god. Yeah. It's yeah, like, like it's when so I heard weird. the first podcast, I was like, this guy is doing a lot for the intro. <laughs> oh yeah. And the intro just sounds like we're doing a porn podcast. Yeah. It's yeah, great. when I when I first moved to Indiana, my family was like, make sure you don't do porn. Oh no. Like that's our only You're like, wish. no, I'm moving to the valley. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do What's you feel vivid? like when your family looks at you and you're like, I'm moving to LA and their first reaction is just don't do porn? Yeah. Do you think back on your childhood and think, fuck, what was I doing that whole time? I at five there were full grown men showing me things they should not. Okay, that's enough about me. you. We're not <laughs> You okay? I'm Every fine. podcast episode <laughs> is another bit into just a peek into yeah, why Our he is the life. way he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at the end of this, we'll be able to piece it all together. Yeah, <laughs> and then it, it's a real map to a serial killer. Um, <laughs> so you're getting into the horror genre now. Did, was your grandmother in the entertainment business? Um, so my family's a little complicated. Um, Clearly, the first so the movie that I told you guys about the girl who becomes responsible for the grandfather she never knew mm-hmm. that. That's uh, close to something that happened in my life. My mother's dad left when they were 13. Okay. And another family came in to help my grandmother raise my mom and her brother. And they lived out here. And that man uh, was named Gordon Hunt. And Great then, name. Yeah, so that's why my last name is Gordon. So Lizzie Gordon for Gordon. Whatever. Okay. Um, but he. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> so you think people logically make that leap? No. So a man it's not a, related to us who helped take care of the family's name was Gordon Hunt. So my last name is Gordon. No, I. It's like my tribute to Gordon. <laughs> it's nobody needs. Is to this know a it. stage name? It is. Yeah. What's your real last name? My real last name is McGarry. But when I was doing stand-up comedy, nobody could say it, which is weird because it's just MC Gary. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's because a lot of people who host comedy shows are very slow. People very have slow. a hard time with Derek, so that's why I go by D-Bone. Makes sense. You know what? That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I thought people could say it, but my entire life they're like, Darren? No. Daryl? What? Uh, I almost named my dog Derek. Mm. We went with Iggy. <laughs> that's way better. 
if I say, hey, my name's Derek, people are like, oh, cool. Yeah. And then I say D-Bone, and they're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, Tell no. me more. That Who are you? This is why your parents think you do porn, porn by yeah. the way. Yeah. And my dad changed my middle name to D-Bone when I was five. So it's, it's Did he in, really? Yeah. No, he didn't. Again, yeah. map of... Map of a serial but killer. But this isn't about me. This is about Liz. Right. <laughs> so so uh, Gordon Hunt is the father of Helen Hunt. Oh. And so Helen Hunt became sort of like an auntie to me growing up. And that's the Los Angeles Hollywood connection. So was she be, was she an auntie to you while she was making it? I mean, yeah. mad about you, time. Yeah. I used to go fuck around on the lot. It's pretty fun. Helen Hunt's the best. And so is that where you start falling in love with the whole <laughs> magic of? Did you say Helen Hunt's the best? <laughs> I did. I love Helen Hunt. I mean, I do too. As good as it gets. Yeah. Castaway fucking killed it. <laughs> Great face. She's in. Uh, is it Critters or is it Jeepers? I think she's in one of the Critters. I think. I think she is in one of the Critters. I wish I had one of those minds that retained that. That's you. I know. I think it's Critters, but I mean, Let's she was on up. top of the world in the late 90s. Yeah, I used to go hang out uh, in her little bungalow on the lot when I was really small and run around and do it. Because you can get whatever food you want. Yeah. And d- literally do whatever you want. Can you call her right now? I wouldn't. Yeah. That's probably better. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't. Hi, um, Auntie Helen. I'm with D-Bone. <laughs> Hi. He loves your face. Twister, well, that was strong. Well, Twister, I loved it. I mean, that was like 96. And then um, after that, As Good As It Gets came out and then Cast Away. And she was just like on fire. And then she just stopped for a while. Yeah, she had a kid. Yeah, fucking kids. Fucking kids. (laughs) (laughs) Someone's got to raise them, though. Well, not always. That's true. As evident by your upbringing. As my hands-off parents. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, does she have a boy or a girl? She has a girl. So did did you ever sit down with the uh, the girl and say, um, "Listen, if your hair turns a color, her hair is red. Red. I just want you to know that's not you're not becoming a woman." No, but I probably should have. Yeah. Yeah. She seems <laughs> a little confused like now at eighteen. <laughs> What's happening to me? No. Are you l- looking up Helen Hunt right yeah, now? You bet. <laughs> you bet. <laughs> I'm not. Well, getting it was critters. nice having Derek on the <laughs> podcast, but I'm not finding critters. I'm seeing trancers. Trancers. That's the one. Okay. Kevin Bacon's in that series? That's Tremors. Tremors. Oh. Yeah, hmm. what are trancers? Why don't There's they start they need to start diversifying these titles because it yeah. is deeply confusing. <laughs> That's anyway, so all right, so you grow up I mean, falling in love with the magic of Hollywood because yeah. I mean it, it's gotta be incredible as a kid just to get to run around and yeah. See all this. Yeah. It was, it, and then, you know, I was hyperactive. And so to keep me still, she'd be like, read this script. Mm. And if you finish reading the script, I will pay for you to get your hair done. And I'd be like, yes, ma'am. Like, I'm going to sit down and How read How old are you when this is happening? Probably 10. So I would read scripts for her and tell her what I thought about them. And then I'd get my hair done. Did Paul Reiser wow. ever wonder who the albino kid running around the set was? Paul Reiser is actually a very lovely man. And he is, so I've met a lot of people over the years. And as, you know, a child grows into adulthood, they look different. Mm-hmm. Um, but Paul's always the one who, when I see him, remembers our last conversation and is you know, super sweet. How you doing? The only time he didn't recognize me was from like, I think I didn't see him from 17 to 22. And then I was very friendly with him at a party. And he uh-huh. like turned to Helen's assistant and was like, "Why is the babysitter being really nice to me?" <laughs> she was like, "That's Lizzie." And he goes, "Lizzie!" So he's very sweet. When I was very small, 
I wanted to get a fake gunshot in the middle of my head. So I went to the makeup trailer on the Matabat Nissan. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> what? Keep it going. I don't want. I have no Dude. questions. Okay. So, so I, I sit down in the chair, and the woman just starts doing a gunshot in the middle of my head in the trailer. And then Paul came in and had to get his makeup done, and I got up with half a gunshot just in the middle of my head because he's actually working. So for a, a large chunk, I resented him. <laughs> <laughs> Could never get the full gunshot. Yeah, but he's a good guy. Yeah. Good guy. Any other kinds of sets or experiences when you were a kid? Um, some movie sets, but they're all like you know, I'm in a trailer. I'm not right. really there. Um, <clears throat> later in life, I started working on sets. So that's where a lot of that experience came from. But before that, it was all like fancy trailers. So do you know, though, when you're a kid, when you're a teenager, like, this is what I want to do. I want to be involved in this. Yeah. And acting was what you wanted to do originally. I thought it was what I wanted to do originally. Yeah. So at what age do you start to try to make the acting? Um, when I was 14, I started really advocating for myself because I was still living up north and just coming down to like Sherman Oaks over the summer and whatever. As one does for yeah. summer vacation. Well, my, my parents would send me to Helen and just sort of ship me off. Um, but uh, at 14, I wanted to, I really wanted to do it. And I, I never really liked asking for help or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would talk to some of like Helen's friends out here who I knew were child actors. And I didn't realize that Helen had been one, but uh, a lot of them were like, yeah, if you just call SAG or if you send SAG a letter in the mail with a check for a certain amount of money, they will mail you back a list of all the agents in, in the town and you can send them your Z card is what they were calling it at the time, which was like a headshot and a bunch of lifestyle pictures on the mm-hmm. back and ask them for representation. Cause this was, you know, before the internet really. Yeah. And so I did that for myself, but my, I, you know, my parents weren't around, so I'm taking my own headshots. And so there's just like a bunch of really creepy selfie style photos of me in black and white with like fairy wands and like <laughs> looking really intense. And I just put all these things in envelopes with stamps on them and like sent them off in little kid handwriting. Heard back from no one. Yeah. But I think it's very charming what I did. Yeah. I, I feel so. like I should have heard back from someone. Um, but I didn't. So that's when that started. Not a lot of fairy wand fans. Not a lot of fairy wand fans. Yeah. Yeah. Sad. Because I was going to say, you should have tried that. I did. (laughs) (laughs) T-Bone's down with the fairy wand. And they booked me immediately. Yeah. So what's, what's the first acting gig you actually get? Um, I did some theater in high school and then I came out here and I think the first, real job I had, maybe like the only real acting job I had that I didn't make for myself was House of Lies. With Don Cheadle. Yeah. Yeah. Donnie Cheat. Yeah. And what did you do on that? I played a woman who was shopping for a car and on the used car lot, Mm. um, one of the main characters, Ben Schwartz, had been on a bender and fallen asleep naked in the back of the car that I get into. Oh, nice. Oh, so somebody already did make your story. Yeah. Yeah. My, oh, well. I think my one line, like I had like two lines, like, oh, this is nice. And then we get in, I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> but it was such a, it was sick because I was so fucking poor. And because I said Jesus Christ in the episode, they needed to record a bunch of different ADR options for Jesus Christ for the different areas that the yes. thing would run on. So I got to make more money coming back in to do that. And because it was such a big moment, it was in all of the season three, I think, trailers. So it just kept running a bunch. And does it lead to anything else? I mean, nobody's no. like, oh, you just, <laughs> no. your reaction to that. No. And they kept the Jesus Christ. They did. They Great. kept the Jesus Christ. Um, and then, you know, it's on airplanes now, which is kind of fun. But That's amazing. 
So, so nothing else is happening, and then you start getting into the writing. At the same time, I'm I'm always doing the writing because I know nobody is looking for me. Like, you have to make your own opportunities. Um, I'd actually my parents didn't want me to do any of this because it was an, uh, a ridiculous dream that's never going to amount to anything. So I moved out here actually as a paralegal working in a criminal defense attorney's office in Beverly Hills. And I did a 90 day stunt there. And then at the end of it, I just sort of emailed him. I was like, yeah, this isn't for me. And started selling juice at the Brentwood Country Mart. Oh, nice. Nice. I love um, the Brentwood Country Mart. And, and the juice. Yeah. Yeah. And doing stand-up. So that's when the writing started. And after that, I got the job on House of Lies. But um, Did you like doing stand-up? I love doing stand-up, but I don't love it enough. And it is a real drag of a hustle. It's like people who really love stand-up do it three to five times a night. Yeah. And every night. Yeah. And they, their big win is getting on like a college tour or, you know, touring the country. Uh, What's the weirdest place you did stand-up? It's not weird in the terms of stand-up, though, but it's like a basement of a Chinese restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did a, a hookah lounge in North Hollywood, and I just thought it was weird because there was like four people yeah. watching the open mic, and yeah. then I went to the bathroom, and it, and the restaurant is completely packed in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> people are smoking. I'm like, well, of course, they're here for hookah. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think mine was a burger joint, and they had it on the side on Wednesdays. That's funny. And you're just... It's just so weird. I always wonder burgers. what gets into a place's head to be like, you know what we should have here? An open mic comedy yeah, night. Yeah, because also open mics are tough, man. Oh, yeah. The it's hard to watch someone. someone work something out. Like, it's hard. Did you have any um, bits that really worked for you? Yeah, I had a few. What were they about? Um, I never really did, like, jokes. I did stories, and I'm a psycho. So if I uh, – my brand was, like, Taylor Swift – on bath salts to nice. some degree, uh, but just psycho bits. I used to Facebook stalk an ex-boyfriend, and I would just get lost in time stalking him. Like hours would pass, and I'd be like back into 2006 on his Facebook timeline. Wow! And um, and then he found out about that and blocked me, which was a nightmare. And none of my girlfriends would let me have access to their Facebooks because, like, one time, I posted that one was pregnant with an ultrasound. <laughs> And she, her whole family thought it was real. So she, I, no one ever gave me their password after that. <laughs> and then, yeah, people don't like when you do sh- that's, stuff like that's that. That's true comedy, right? Yeah, there. they're really not into that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I no, no joke. I uh, it was, it was, uh, <laughs> it was like March thirty first of some year, and I just wrote happiest day of my life <laughs> and people were like what's going on what's going on and i didn't respond and then on april 1st i just wrote she's gone <laughs> <laughs> that's so dark yeah i think those were my that was probably 14 years did you ago. get more those were my last facebook that's did good. you get more responses oh yeah on the positive or the negative Probably a negative. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, the way human more. People are like, what's yeah. going on? What happened? Yeah. Who, Who is, is she? she? <laughs> my mom's calling me. I mean... That was the time when fake news was just... Fun. Delightful. But it's fun. Yeah. I yeah. would love if you posted well, a, a, a sonogram on my Facebook. I mean, I could. I, I don't even know my own password now, but at the time, I, I needed to see my ex-boyfriend's page. I needed to know that he was still doing nothing in our shit town. Mm. And then I remembered that we had, when we were together, we had this love stuffed animal called Cheeto. It was a bear. Okay. And after we saw Toy Story 3, we made Cheeto his own Facebook. 
And we both followed it because we wanted to be, you know, monitoring our bears' internet interactions. Of course, as one does. So I signed into Cheeto's Facebook page, and that's when I realized my ex-boyfriend still cared because he didn't block Cheeto, and I had access. Oh. And I spent the next three hours just looking I, at these pictures. I, I don't, I'm not hearing any issues here. We're going to get there. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm scrolling and I'm lost in nostalgia. And I'm like looking at a picture of us from Winter Formal 2003. And I'm liking Ooh. it. And I'm just, you know, lost in time. And then I get a text message from one of the girls that's in this picture I'm staring at. And she goes, Liz, what the fuck are you doing right now? And I was like, oh my God, that's so weird. I'm literally looking at a picture of you and I from Winter Formal 2003. She's like, that's where I called. I just got a notification that some stuffed animal Cheeto bear liked a picture of me. <laughs> and then my heart stopped because I realized if she got the notification, my ex got the notification too. And I just start panicking. But I'm also like a cover my tracks kind of psychopath. So I signed out of Cheeto's account and I signed back into my account. And I go to this girl's Facebook page who my ex dated before me. And I save all of her profile pictures. And I like copy paste all of her information. And then I sign back into Cheetah's account and I upload all of her profile pictures and I change the name to her name, all the information to her information. So that when he got the update that somebody liked his picture, oh, it was his crazy fucking ex-girlfriend, but not me. <laughs> and that's why we know you're going to be successful yeah. right there. Cause I will stop at nothing. Stop at that's, nothing. That's right. My goals are non-negotiable. Yeah. Yeah. That is brilliant. What does he do for a living? I don't know. I got blocked. Cheeto got blocked after I started Let's, doing that. Should we look him up right now? What's his name? Have you seen a show called Catfish? <laughs> yeah. Okay, just asking. Uh, yeah, no, he blocked the bear after I started doing that joke on <laughs> my stand-up routine because it. I put it on YouTube, and then I knew he saw the stand-up routine on my YouTube because he blocked the bear, and oh. I lost access. And then I texted him, and I was like, do you think my stand-up's funny? And we hadn't spoken in years. And he was like, how did you know I saw it? And I was like, because you blocked Cheeto. <laughs> you monster. Nobody thinks of the real victims in these scenarios. Yeah, and it's that fatherless bastard bear. Poor you still have the bear? No, I threw all that shit away in K-Town. Set her on fire. Yeah. It was the saddest thing. I was like, I can't hold on to this anymore. This is crazy. It's been... <laughs> it's been... Maybe a decade. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. a lot of time. But I also felt bad because one of the bears I had was like his childhood bear, and I was like, I'll give this back to him eventually. And it's like, I'm never going to see him again. Right. But that Cheeto's kind of a trophy in a way. It's gone. But it's was gone. it therapeutic getting up on stage and telling stories like this? Mm, I don't know, actually. I don't think so. Does it more excuse kind of the uh, Facebook stalking behavior? Um, I don't know that I ever needed an excuse because even though it's embarrassing, I have very little shame about it. Mm. <laughs> I can tell. Which is sick. Like, it's almost sociopathic. It does seem like some kind of processing of the pain of experiencing, like, how putting it in front of an audience to see how they react. Maybe. I think it's also just, like, I have a tendency to spiral mm. and fixate on things that I hate and that upset me. And so when I do that, it turns into my art. Like, I'm very competitive with my brother, so I'm writing this movie. Like right. things like that. Need a little, yeah I'm, yeah, I'm a little like that. I'm hyper yeah. fixated, so I think I try to stop making it about time wasting and generating a product of it to justify something that's truly sick and sad. Right. <laughs> yeah, I like to prove others wrong. Like my brother was like, you can never sing in a band. Yeah. Never. And then when, like 20 years later, I was like, I'm going to do and tw it. And 20 years later, you have not and one, I, but two songs in Hocus Pocus too. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Stems from 
brothers being a fucking asshole. <laughs> Thank so, God for brothers that are assholes. I know. They are, they are good. They push you. So at what point does the writing lead to some success? Um, 2020. No. Um, I started... Uh, I, f- I figured the easiest way to get something made was to go the ultra low budget non-union route. And most of those movies are genre films. So I just lied and said that I'd worked with Eric Roberts, who's a pass around patty of the community. Yeah, of course. And I emailed 50 producers that had titles with Eric Roberts in it that were like bullshit movies, like rat apocalypse, like bad things. Yes. Great movie, by the way. Fantastic. And, uh, <laughs> and said, Hey, I just worked with Eric Roberts and he thinks you'd like this uh, script I have. Would you, can I take you to coffee? And one guy responded, and uh, I made four movies with him over the next three years. That is fantastic. What are some of those movies? Cooties? No, I wish. Cooties was a short <laughs> film I made that I thought was like brilliant, and then I realized fucking Ian Brennan, the guy who did Glee and all those movie or and all those shows, has a movie called Cooties with like Rain Wilson in it. And, but uh, that's just a short I made. Ian Brennan's a really good friend of mine. Oh, really? Yeah. My friend was on an improv team with him, and they were both in the. Uh, politician room together what uh, i'm obsessed with him by the way he's phenomenal i don't know him personally but i think about him all the time the first day i met him he was in an american flag speedo god bless him ray bands and we were playing cornhole yeah i love him this guy's gonna be a good friend he wrote a majority of the uh dahmer series yeah yeah which was which was great he's written pretty much all of it all of it the problem with the dahmer series at least for me is watching it and being able to empathize <laughs> with him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of my childhood. One of my friends was like, this is why we never wanted you to watch anything like that. <laughs> you get you ideas. wanted to tap into you're something. Like, so you're telling me I can feel some relief if I just murder? Yeah. Mm. Okay. Murder. Mm. It's a little bit of murder. Yeah. I watched Dahmer, and for the first time, I feel seen. <laughs> well, I have to go, but this yeah. has been like really. No, no, no. Fun. Before you do it, just keep drinking that oh, beverage fuck. we gave you. The one, the car. Oh, no. Every woman knows you anyway, don't drink a beverage. That's right. God damn it. <laughs> I felt You safe. walk right into a random house in Toluca Lake. No, I A know guy I named D Bone <laughs> just hands you a cup of coffee and you're uh-huh. like, oh, here's sure, your matcha. Yeah. Damn. Yep. Damn. You've learned nothing. Um, so wh- what about what, uh, hashtag captured? Uh huh. Because that was on Hulu. Yeah. And Hulu's a pretty big deal. No, they'll take a lot of trash. There's a lot of trash. I mean, on I Hulu. watch a lot of Hulu. So hashtag captured was a writing assignment. So that movie I had written that I pitched that dirtbag producer didn't get made. He's what um, he's like a he's like a Ponzi scheme producer. Oh, those are the worst. Yeah, so he'll take somebody's money to make a movie, and he'll say, "I'll deliver," and then he delivers for probably like a quarter of what they gave him, and he takes the rest of it to pay for like hookers and cocaine and shit. Right. And then he yeah. makes another. That's movie. a scheme. Well, yeah, because then he tr- he pays back that investor with another investor who makes oh, the next see, movie. That, that's mm. the Ponzi part. Yeah, and the way that he gets distribution deals is he makes uh, knockoff art like uh, posters for it that look like existing films. So hashtag captured is a knockoff of Unfriended or The Den, which had done really well online, and they were coming out with sequels for those. So when hashtag captured came out, the point was to sort of piggyback on an audience who was trying to watch Unfriended too. Oh, and, and did that, it work at all? Fuck no, it's a horrible movie. Yeah, but there and then so it's like a little bit like Chipotle filmmaking. So this dirtbag tells me I need rice, beans, and this protein in the burrito. Can you wrap it up for me? And I would do that in a script, 
And he would sometimes only give me like a week to write an entire script. And because the people that are investing in it are dummies, they're into the script because it's an easy read. And then we go into production really soon after. So they're all dumpster fire movies mm. that I killed myself to make because I thought the titles would get me somewhere. Yeah. But really, I just got like an anal fissure and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's how those were born. So, and so I, how often do you get into those situations? Um, I mean, I did it four times and then I said no more. And all the same producer? All the same producer. A b- bunch of different directors who are all like, uh, I realized like they, they would have the, I would have these moments where I'm speaking to these directors as a writer and they're asking me these questions and then I would answer and they would kind of just sort of like look over my shoulder a little bit and cock their head. And I'd be like, wow, they must be deep in thought. I wonder what it's like to have that many thoughts. And then I realized no thoughts, no, not a single nothing. thought in any of their heads. <laughs> um, they're just strung out from the hookers and blow. Yeah, literally. I had a joke about JFK in one of my scripts and the director was like, but do people really know how this guy died? <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> She's like, try a different joke. And I was like, Okay. Do people really not? This person was like 47, too. It was really weird. It was really weird. I was like, oh, fuck, I hate it here. Um, And how do they get jobs? Well, they they get the jobs because they'll do whatever the producer tells them to do. Mm. So it's a director that has no vision because the producer just wants to get this job done so that they can get the distribution deal money. And get the next movie rolling. Right. And so, who, does Hulu pay anything for something no, like this? No, not really. So it's and it's not. So it's the production company makes the movie with stolen money. Then a distribution company comes in the middle and spends a little bit of money to buy the product, mm. and then they shop it to places like Hulu, Amazon, Redbox. So I think all the titles have been in Redbox, but they're awful, and okay. that's all based off the trailer and the artwork, not the actual film. Oh, wow. I'm you. Uh, I'm on a Wikipedia page called Awful Movie Wiki where I'm blamed for how horrible these films are. And then the one like fun fact is, and she's related to Helen Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Helen Hunt's niece is ruining yeah. the film industry. Yeah. Well, you got to have your, you got to take your first steps. Yeah. And so where, where are we going next? Um, so I'm telling this story that I just told you to a showrunner. And I'm shadowing him while he's writing and directing a TV show for National Geographic that's partially scripted, partially docuseries. It's called The Boom, Mm. or Valley of the Boom, rather. And it's about uh, the dot-com bubble burst Mm. in Silicon Valley. And um, I'm telling him the story, and he's like, I got an idea for a show. It's called Ultra Low Budget. It's this shit. And it's uh, farcical and supernatural. And I was like... Whatever gets me a legitimate job, I will do. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. So then we started pitching it in 2020, and we sold it. And uh, and they're not like, we got great news. Eric Roberts is on board. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I would love it. Um, no, so we got paid to write the pilot, and then they didn't like the pilot, and they were like, we'll give it back to you. So now we're shopping it again. Well, fuck them. No, it's okay. It, was, okay. it didn't seem like it was going to be right. It was weird when they bought it because in the pitch meeting at the end of it's all on Zoom, too, because of COVID, which is awful. Like there's no humanity to a Zoom pitch. It's hard. Yeah. I mean, it really Zero. is. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I'm pouring my heart out there and like because it's deeply personal. Yeah. And um, at the end of it, this woman goes like, all right. So like n- anybody have any questions? And like all of her panel of heads are like, no. She's like, OK, click over. 
Dirt. Like, the meeting has ended. The host has ended the meeting. I was like, damn, that's it? And then the production Jeez. company texted and they were like, do you want to talk? And I was like, yeah, I guess. They're like, so that's probably a no. Yeah, let's you think so? <laughs> They're like, let's figure out how to make the pitch better for next time. And then uh, the next day I was like very broke and I was ghost writing a memoir for a prostitute. Ooh. And part of the job. So who's the prostitute? I can't say. Not allowed to? No. Helen Hunt. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so, and part of the job was I had, she'd given me a list of her Johns to call and I had to interview her Johns. Oh my God, yes. And it's like. Which is actually how Lizzie and I met. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Look at that. It's super disturbing. What is that? Um, <laughs> um, and they called while I was doing that. So I was like really low. They kept texting me, like, do you have a second to talk? And I was like, not really. It's like, I've got 90 seconds between John calls. I'll, you can have 90 seconds. Do any seconds. of the Johns proposition you on the phone? No, they don't. In fact, like one of the most interesting things about the interviews was how the wide range of dudes that she was, that were regular clients who were also just like very sweet, like all different ages, all different walks of life and, um, genuinely very kind men. Mm. But, um, I think that that would be a group of kind men because they were willing to talk to me for her book. So I can't speak for all of the people because I've right. also heard some other stories, but it was very interesting. Just, you know, people looking for intimacy and uh, willing to pay for it in a respectful way, in a safe way. And uh, to some degree wanting to humanize the sex work because I think more often than not, a prostitute is not seen as a person, but an object by you know the person paying for yeah. her and the people who don't like them. Did the wow. book come out? The book didn't come out, no. No. No, I had to pass the project off to somebody else. Too much? Yeah. Well, no, because I got the call that day that I sold the show. Oh. That's why they wanted to talk. It was shocking. I was like, what? <laughs> so, yeah. That's exciting. It's fascinating. I mean, especially, I mean, we interview a lot of people thus far who are writers and just the amount of different ways to yeah. stay in that game. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's incredible. Um, do you, the projects that you told us that you were working on uh, before, the sacrifice, the, the, I mean, where are those at? Those are just in the developmental stage. So I have a workflow that I use when I'm writing and I'm uh, at various places in that with both of those projects. Like this week I'm outlining the grandpa script and I'm making a sort of broad strokes act break of the sibling rivalry one. And once they're done, mm -hmm. what's your process to try to get these? In? I mean, well, it's, I'm in a picture of you with the fairy wand. Goes that's off it. With the script. That's it. That's literally it. And that's what's such a fucking nightmare. So I've, I've gotten a lot done, but I've never had any representation so a big part of my day is hustling. So I have to leave here and go meet with a woman in Encino to talk to her about, you know, in just like a general networking sense. Because every single meeting I get and every single thing I've ever sold is either by lying or a network. Right. I think all the acting jobs at the beginning was a very big lie. Yeah. And then you get in and then fake it till you make it. Yeah. So at what point do you start your podcast? Which is called The Sip, right? Yeah. So that's actually when I was working at the juice bar in Brentwood. 
uh, this guy was waiting tables at the Lapan Quotidian next door, and he comes over one day, and we've been best friends ever since. And his name is Ryland Adams. And um, and when you snap like that, does he's gay? Yeah. <laughs> and, what, and I have to ask this because I looked at his Instagram. Yeah. What does he do? That's what I was going to say. So his dream and ambition was always to be like a host, like a Ryan Seacrest. And it, that translated into YouTube. So he's a vlogger. He vlogs and he is married to one of the most uh, famous vloggers of YouTube, Shane Dawson. And the two of them have, they have their own podcast also. But they've just made a fortune on YouTube sharing their lives. Wow. It's incredible. Yeah. So Spotify was going to make a podcast with my friend Ryland. And Ryland and I just were like assholes. So we just talk shit about everybody all day. And it's <laughs> dumb and awful and we're horrible people. But we laugh. So who cares? <laughs> is, that the, is that the premise of your podcast? And that's the premise of the podcast. Yeah. So I, he was trying to make a sample of what it should sound like for the producers at Spotify because they were trying to cast his co-host. And so we did a sample episode so that they could see the chemistry that Ryland was looking for. And then he was like, oh, wait, why not just you? And then in my heart of hearts, I was like, yeah, that's fine. This is never going to compromise my writing career because no one's going to no one who matters in the writing world or the right. other world is going to ever see this. And then I had a meeting with someone who was like, I love your podcast. <laughs> and I was like, so you know how often I shit my pants. That's great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> awesome. And how uh, often? We, uh, you, you know what? It's uh, Shitting my pants is a little bit like inflation at this point. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, I think I know what you're saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, does a podcast start to become... You know, because I know for Derek and I, it was like this desire to just where can we be creative mm -hmm. on our own terms, you know, with the struggles of dealing with shitbag producers and lying to get your into some acting gigs. Like, does it start to become this real outlet for creativity? You know, I wish I could say it did. It's definitely my favorite day job that I've ever had. Like, it's a huge blessing that I get to sit with my best friend every week or every other week because he splits time between Colorado. And um, and that we I get to make a living doing it. Like, that's pretty fucking incredible. But it's, um, it's such a... It's, being successful on YouTube is a really terrifying thing. Yeah. Because you can't, um, you can't share too much, but you also can't share too little. And um, it's such a wide audience that you don't want to alienate anybody who's watching. So sometimes like, things can be happening in the world that you really want to talk about or advocate for or against. And you kind of have to keep that to yourself because no matter what, it's, you're shouting into a void and it's not going to change anything if I say something. And it's going to upset a lot of people and it's going to just turn dark and ugly. So it's been like, I, I do share a lot, like shit, shitting my pants is not nothing. And to share that with 500,000 people is a big deal. Yeah. But you're not going to get a bunch of online hate. Right. Because of it. Yeah. Um, it, mm. Because it turns very dark, very quickly. Very dark, very quickly. So uh, I had an experience. Um, I don't know if you watched The Bachelor. I love The Bachelor. So we were on, my wife and I, uh, many years ago uh, during Ben's season. Okay. I don't know oh, what season that was. Because I don't watch The Bachelor. <laughs> I could give a shit. My wife watches it. She gets very annoyed when I come in the room because I start commenting on how stupid everybody is. Yeah. And I'm just doing like a Mystery Science Theater 3000 type commentary <laughs> as the show's going. That's as the only should. way to watch and it. And she's like, yeah. get the fuck out of here. <laughs> 
and um, we know a producer, and my wife just completely lies and says, um, we have uh, bachelor watch parties all the time at our house. Oh, They're like, no. oh, great. Can we come <laughs> film it? That's right. And so they, so they did. So we had to get, we had to like scrounge up like 30 people that come to our house every week. And uh, Ben and um, <laughs> what's the canceled host's name? Chris Harrison. Chris Harrison. They, uh, they come over. They sneak into our house, right? Because, of course, in Los Angeles, <laughs> in the Valley, you. your house is unlocked while you have 30 people over. Yeah. And they come in to surprise all of us. And then we're getting interviewed. And so what we did was we put, at the time, our daughter was like two years old. Cute. So we put her in a shirt that said, future Mrs. Ben whatever. Yeah. And that gets, that's online. Yeah. And we get called the shittiest. I parents was just thinking how disgusting in, and disturbing. Yeah, right. <laughs> like people are like, sell your daughter off at such a young yeah. age. We're like, oh my god, it's a joke. My wife had a really hard time with it, and I was yeah. like, listen, we put ourselves out there in some way. You're gonna get shit. Yeah, like you got to ignore it. Oh, yeah. But it's like people are waiting around. Oh, it's crazy. Like I, I, I started doing vlogs as just like another stream of income, and I posted one today, and someone in the comments was like, your hair looks greasy. <laughs> <laughs> I posted one when my fucking dog died and someone's like your stove is disgusting <laughs> I was like what get your shit together I'm like literally crying in it I'm like sitting in an inflatable pool in my backyard and fucking Van eyes, and they're like your stove is gross <laughs> god who are those people though I don't think all the online stuff aside nothing is more awkward than talking to Chris Harrison who's asking no. my advice yeah. on what I'd like to see in the show that I don't, don't watch, watch, and yeah. I have to pretend in that moment that I watch it. Uh, it I think very I, then I told you everything. that they 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 were like, "Hey, yeah, they you wanted you to come and do air sex." Derek was an air sex champion. Uh huh. Uh huh. Two time um, L A. Two time L A. Second in the world. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Second in the world. <laughs> There's only five people competing, but uh, still, th there was way too many. So people the competing. The, the producers reached out to him a few years ago to come and teach. Oh, as one of the dates. And, yeah. I, and I was like, I'm he sorry. No. I, uh, I, no, I said I wouldn't perform, but I would coach. And they were like, oh. They wanted me to do a whole performance right. again. And I was like, I, I have a daughter now. I think those And it's rough because they only have three other people in the world to call about right. doing air sex. Right, who are like legitimate air sexers. It definitely was the scariest place I've ever been. <laughs> the funniest thing is, is I, I used but to I watch it. Uh, AGT all the time, uh -huh. and the guy who like brought air sex, yeah, to the United States, Mr. Chris True. He this is got on AGT, <laughs> and like they xed him out like immediately. He started doing the air sex thing, yeah. and they were like, "Get the fuck out of here!" And then like four <laughs> years later, I meet Derek, and he's like, "Oh, I did air sex." I'm like, "What?" Yeah, I thought it was just like a thing, and he introduced me to the whole culture. You well, know, you know what your movie is. <laughs> Your movie is uh, The Little Miss Sunshine of Air Sex And it go. starts in the car parking lot I like it yeah, You uh, are a great writer Thank you <laughs> If you guys know any agents <laughs> Please tell them I'm fucking tired <laughs> And I want a fucking baby And if someone could just like Yeah help, you're married huh I'll do anything for money Eric I know Well you have Most the numbers things. of all those Johns <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> So you got married Yeah So we got over the ex-boyfriend Oh, that's, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't even say we were... I don't know if I would wave my hand like, oh, yeah, that's so long ago. Because it, it was like a 10-year process. No, but that was like 10 years ago. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's fine now. Yeah. So you met your husband where? Mm -hmm. 
um, I was doing this blog where I would, I was very poor for a very long time and very hungry. And so I would go on to um, Tinder and put my best headshot up and I would just match with guys and ask them to send me food. And they nice. would. And then I realized men will do a lot for a person they've never met if they're wow. hot. And I am an asshole, so I exploited <laughs> that. And I started um, doing like movie storylines with them and getting them on the phone and recording conversations without them knowing where they think I'm being abducted or I can get them to come into the street and start screaming embarrassing things that I'm recording. And I started putting that on a vlog or on a blog. <laughs> and um, God, this is amazing. And my <laughs> husband found out about it and he was doing online comedy content for Jamie Kennedy and mm -hmm. he wanted to do video content that was in line with the tomfoolery of the blog. And so I had literally been single since the high school boyfriend and this is years at this point. And I looked up my husband's Facebook cause I'm a mm -hmm, stalker mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I decided when I saw his pictures and his, got his humor online that he would be mine. And the first night we met to talk about working together, I was like, I'm probably going to marry you. Nice. And then... And I'm recording this. And I'm recording this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next day after our meeting, I broke into his house and put my headshot in his bed and signed it, Don't Get Weird. <laughs> God, this I'm is I'm going to tell you right now, your husband's a brave guy. He really made me wait. And there was a point <laughs> in time that he confessed that he was like terrified it was maybe too much. <laughs> I just want to know if it's safe to have rabbits in the house or if no. you're going to boil them at some rabbits point. Rabbits are for stew. Yeah. 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 Glenn taught me that. I saw that at a very young age, too. Oh, my God. Uh, clearly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think one of the important messages uh, of this episode is parents really need to be involved with their kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Definitely spend <laughs> like, time with those kids. We are impressionable. Like, and if you like don't really, impression, someone else will. Like, just letting them go to the video store on their own or looking at them and say, just don't do porn, that's not enough. No. That's not enough. No. Wow. Teach them how to spell their names. Yeah. I'm fascinated. There's a lot I'd like to top into. Maybe we need a second podcast. Derek wants to end this. Let's no, no, no. <laughs> I, no, that's fine. I'm no, tripping. She, I'm she like, I got to get, get to Encino she by 11. Thing. She does. But and I, it's, yeah. it's pretty much a settled matter at this point. But I, Can I just say, uh, yeah. just to, to end it all on how fucking psycho I am, this woman that I'm meeting today, I have been trying to organize this for a year, and she has no fucking idea. But I used to, I know everybody that she's friends with, but I also know a little bit. Oh, this is exciting. What's her name? What's her name? I can't say her name because I really want her to like this me. This is why I do, I think <laughs> we need a second. She's definitely not going to hear this. We I've need been, a second episode with Lizzie. Um, I've been told multiple times not to tell her the story because I have a tendency of telling the people how crazy I am when I meet them because I'm like, no, it's less crazy if they know. <laughs> And so I've been to like film festivals where I know she's going to be and I will strategically stand in certain places knowing that she's going to cross my path. And every single, I've made the mistake of bringing my husband who's like, I don't want to stand here. And I'm like, fine, then we'll just leave. And it's all for nothing. And we just saw that horrible film for no reason. So I've, I've, I've passed her multiple times. And then finally the development executive of my TV show knows her from college and they had lunch and they talked and then she followed me on Instagram. Oh. Yep. yep. Power move. Once so somebody follows you works. on social media, it yep. opens up to all kinds of possibilities. The yep. secret works. And I have to go through your all your 
40,000 followers and figure out who she is. Oh, I'll tell you off air. <laughs> well, she'll, yeah, I'll tell you off air. Okay, good. That way we could just tag her yeah. when we... Uh, well, I, I had a blast, Lizzie. I did too. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Yeah, come back sometime. Sure. Right? I want to know what, how this uh, little social engagement yeah I do but also i want to know when the, you sell these scripts and things start getting made because they sound a lot of like they're a lot of fun yeah i want to know what other fucked up things you did with your husband there's to, so much before. we haven't even oh, yeah. gotten mm -hmm. into your whole marriage yeah he's lucky he's alive yeah <laughs> no i mean i'm the next we're gonna stop recording i'm gonna do a wellness check on him <laughs> I mean, you can try. <laughs> if you can find where he, if you can find where yeah, I keep him, because he's, it's, he's buried with the uh, the vocabulary I, books. I keep there him in an empty <laughs> freezer chest that I've lined with fabric and put some oxygen holes in. So no matter what, you're not going to hear the screams. You ever see the movie Prisoners? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, Lizzie, thank you for coming. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. there. You go. You're going to do the stopping sure, part, I'll or stop are you going to keep recording? I didn't know because he does that.